0: Luke chapter 12 from verse 13, I read, And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge and a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things which he possessed. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain man, a certain rich man, brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no more, I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my bands and build great, and build greater, and there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods and i will say to my soul so thou hast much goods lay up for many years take thy ease eat drink and be merry but god said unto him thou fool this night thy soul shall be required of thee then whose shall these things be which thou hast provided so is he that laid up treasure for himself and is not rich Towards God. So the title of our message is covetousness. Covetousness. So that scripture that we just read, there are two definitions of covetousness in that scripture. One of them we can easily find in the dictionary, or we can Google it and we can find it. But the other one we cannot. And there's another one in the Bible. So we have three different definitions. So the first one, the first definition we're going to find in uh, verse 13 to 15. And that's the one that talks about the man, a man that came to Jesus and uh, asked Jesus to talk to his brother, that he should share his inheritance with him. And Jesus was like, I'm not um, a judge or a divider over you. And he said, take it, and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things that he possessed. So the first definition is um, to yearn to possess or have something. To, you just want it. It's not yours, it's somebody else, but you want it. And uh, it might look right, because maybe it's their inheritance. Maybe the father has 10 houses and gave the brother 8 and gave the other one 2. And, you know, it is reasonable to just say, oh, since you have 8, can you give me 1? But that is covetousness. That is the first definition. And that, like I said, you can find in the dictionary if you Google covetousness to tell you to yearn for something. But the second definition is in verse 19 to 21. And it says, and I will say to my soul, that is the rich man, so thou hast much good, lay up for many years. Take that he is eat, drink, and marry. And God said unto him, Thou fool, the night thy soul shall be required of thee. So the second definition is to, from that which we have heard, to hold on to something. That thing is truly yours. But you are holding on to it when it's supposed to be given out. And if we look at the last verse, it says that um, so is he that lay up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So it, it is truly yours. God has given you the ability to work and to earn so much. But even though you are earning that much, everything doesn't belong to you. That is what that other verse is saying. And uh, that definition you're not going to find in the Bible. So to hold on to something, even though it is yours, when you are supposed to give it out. And the f- final definition is uh, in Colossians 3 5. And Colossians 3 5 says, covetousness, which is idolatry. So that's uh, another definition you will not find in the dictionary. Covetousness. So. The the Colossians 3 5 actually combines the first two generate I mean definition. So it's just you allowing things to become the focus of your desire and value. You allow something to replace God in your heart. So it's uh and the Bible calls this call this uh, idolatry, even though it is also covetousness. So we're gonna be looking into the Bible. For well, examples of people that know God, they are not unbelievers, they know God, they've worked with God, and yet, they fell into the sin of covetousness. So it's its not about, I'm a Christian, I'm strong. No. Because the people we are going to be looking at are people that have worked with God, people that God loves so much. And yet, they ended up falling into that sin of covetousness. So the first one we're going to be looking at is David, that we all know very well. We all know the story of David. If we open to um, Second Samuel 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12 from Verse 1. Okay. So that's uh, the second Samuel is actually um, after David have committed the sin. And I believe it's this thing that we all know. I will just summarize it. So there's a, one of the days he was walking on the roof of his palace. And he saw this beautiful lady having a shower. And he asked, oh, who's, who is that? And they said, oh, that's his, um, Uriah's wife. And uh, he said, oh, that they should just go call her. So they called her, and uh, he lay with her, and sent her back. Then a few days later, the lady sent a message to David, and said, that I am pregnant. And now David... First, he took a wife that is somebody's wife that is not his. He has all, a lot of other wives, but he saw this one and wanted her. To cut the long story short, he ended up killing the husband so that he can marry the wife. So after he has done all that, and he thinks, oh, nobody has seen me, and he's in his palace enjoying himself with his new bride, then God sends a prophet. So we're going to read what the prophet has said. So it's from that verse, 12. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David, and he came unto him, and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich, the other poor. The rich man had excessive, exceeding many flocks and herds, and the poor man had nothing save one two hour lambs, which he had Bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup, and lay in his bosom and was unto him as a daughter. And there was a traveller unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flocks and of his own herd uh, to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him. But he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And look at verse 5. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord liveth, the man that has done this thing shall die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said unto David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives unto thy bosom, and I gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if thou had been, and if that had been too little, I would have moreover gave even unto thee, such and such things. So he had a lot. He had everything. He can marry anybody in the whole Israel and Judea, but he picked somebody else's wife. And there is always a a consequence. When somebody coveted something, either that belongs to someone, or belongs to no one, or Even when that person is ready to give it to you, there is always a consequence. And the consequence that David had to go through for coveting somebody else's wife was so grievous. Actually, he should have died because that is the judgment. He should have died. But God had mercy on him because of the promise that he had made already because he is God. So because of that, he did not kill him. But a lot of people die for his own singular action. So we are going to look at the consequences of covetousness in the life of David. So the first one, you will find it in 2 Samuel 12, 18. We have continued to read that. So that child that um, was born by Riah's wife died. That's the first one that died. Because it was David should have died, but God spared his life and killed that child. And that's not all. Ammon, his first son, defiled his daughter for that sin that he has done. For the covetousness and also killing Uriah. So his own son defiled his own daughter. It's something that should not be heard. And Absalom, another son of Ish. That's in 2 Samuel 13, 28. Killed Ammon for defiling Tamar the sister. So he has already lost um, how many men, uh, child now, two. (coughs) Yeah, for the the child that was born, Ammon the first son, Tamar was defiled. And Absalom himself actually revolted against David. sent David out of Israel. And, uh, and still um, slept with all his concubines. He sent him out of the palace, and he became like a fugitive, nowhere to live. His own son did that to him because he coveted somebody else's wife. And at the end of the day, he has so many concubines, and God used Absalom to defy those women. So he lost all those concubines. I don't know how many they were, but he lost all of them because Absalom lay with them. And eventually, Joab killed Absalom. So it's, it's, it's a lot of consequence to pay because you convicted somebody else's wife. And we know, the Bible says that David is a man after God's own heart. So he knows the law. Like if it's in our generation now, he's a born-again Christian. Probably a pastor. Because he knows the law. He knows it day in and day out. Before he committed that sin, he's always somebody that will always ask God's permission before he does things. But he missed it because of that sin. And God will have mercy on us. And we will not be a partaker of such in Jesus' name. So the... um. So in this first one about David it's just taking something that belongs to somebody else. That is covetousness. We're going to also look at the life of Gehazi. He also coveted in another way, and he also suffered the consequences. So if we look at Second King five, Second King five from verse twenty. But Gazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold, my master had spared Naaman, the Syrian, in not receiving out of his hand that which he brought. Okay, before I continue, let me just quickly let us know what happened before this time. So Naaman is a, is an important man, like... like uh, A captain of an army, and he he was prosperous, and he's a very important man, but he had leprosy. So, um, but then he has a wife that had a maid from Israel, and the girl told the wife about the prophet that can actually, if uh, Naaman goes to him, that's Elisha, then that he can be healed. Anyway, eventually he went. So Elisha told him to go dip himself in the river for, I believe, seven times. And he did that. And eventually, he was healed. So because he was happy, which is what not every one of us will do, God has healed us. He wants to give a gift. There's nothing wrong you giving a gift because of what God has done or because God has used the man of God. But Elisha said no, that he doesn't want the gift. The reason bear is known to him. But then, Gehazi, who was supposed to be like an assistant of Elisha, thought, oh, my master didn't receive the gift. So he went after Naaman. So that's where we are reading now. So, uh, okay, I'm going to go back to that verse. 20, okay, I will start again. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Behold... My master had spared Naaman the Syrian in not receiving out of his hand that which he brought. But as the Lord liveth, I will run after him and take somewhat of him. So uh, Geazi followed after Nehman. And when Naaman saw him running, running after him, he lighted down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is it well? And he said, All is well. My master had sent me, saying, Behold, even now, there become to me from Ephraim two young men of the sons of the prophets. Give, me, uh, give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garment. And Naaman said, Be content. Take two talents. And he urged him, and bound two talents of silver in two bags and two changes of garment, and laid them upon two of his servants, and they bare them before him. And when he came to the tower, he took them from their hands and bestowed them in the house that he, and he let them go. And they departed. But he went in and stood before his master. And Elisha said unto him, Whence come thou, Geazi. And he said, Thy servant went no with them." And he said unto him, Went not my heart with thee, when the man turned again from thee? From his shadows to meet thee. Is it a time to receive money and to receive garments, and olive yards and vineyards, and sheep and oxen, and men servant and servant? The leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave unto thee and unto thy seed forever. And he went out of the present a leper as white as snow. Covetousness. So, for Gehazi, he didn't kill anyone. Um, Nehman was willing to give the gift, but he was not supposed to get the gift. It's like uh, his master said, is it the time to receive gift? And because of that, he coveted something that he shouldn't have coveted. So, he received something at the wrong time. So we have to be careful too. There are times that things might look right. Or maybe um, somebody offers you something and you think, oh yes, it's something you should receive. It's not always something we should receive. If we look at the case of Gehazi, there's always um, we should just allow the Holy Spirit I don't know the reason why Elisha did not receive the gift. But there must be a reason. And the man was ready to give it. But then it is wrong to collect it. It's not a bribe. We know that bribing is is wrong. That is confession in his own case. But this is not a bribe. But yet it was wrong. So we have to be careful the things that we receive. And uh, he received at the wrong time. It's not everything that somebody offers us that we are supposed to receive from that person. And because of that, he became a leper. Not just him, the Bible says his generation. So if we look at these two examples, it's not just that person that commits that sin that suffers. It's the entire family of that person. Who knows to how many generations. So we have to be careful. Of the things that we desire. Let me put it that way. Of the things that we desire. We should not desire things that belong to somebody else. And so also we should not desire every gift that is offered unto us. And that's the story of Geazi. And he became a leper. And we're going to go to the third example. Hakan. That's our third example. And the story is in um, Joshua 7, from verse 21 to 25. Joshua 7, from 21 to 25. When I saw, okay, before I read it, uh, the story of Achan has to do with uh, when the wall of Jericho fell down. Before that wall fell down, God has already instructed them. Do not take anything in that land. And God already told them that the gold and the silver is his. But any other thing, don't take. Destroy it. So the wall came down. And Achan, of course, was one of them. And uh, he went in. So now we can start reading from... Verse 21. Joshua 7. When I saw among the spurs a goodly Babylonian garment, and 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels, then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent, and the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran into the tent, and behold, it was hid in his tent, and the silver under it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent, and brought them unto Joshua, and unto all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with them took Achan, the son of... Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tents and all that he had. And they brought them unto the valley of Acre. And Joshua said, Why had thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stone, and burned them with fire, after they had stoned them with stones. So they all that. Because he took something that seems not to belong to anybody. Because the wall has fallen down. the uh, All the people that live in Jericho have been killed. So ideally, everything on the floor belongs to no one. So I can just say, oh, wow, this is beautiful, and pick it up. But. When he did that, there was consequence. So he, um, but before then, like I said, God already gave them instruction. Don't take anything. And because he did, when they went to war, (laughs) they were defeated. And that was how Joshua knew, knew that something has gone wrong. Then God now told him what happened. But then they all died. Covetousness. There is always a consequence. There is always a consequence. The first one, the one for David, three of his sons died. His daughter was defiled. His concubines were were defiled. And for Achan, he became a leper leper and all his generation. And for, uh, I mean, for Giazi, leper and all his generation. And for Achan, they don't even have the opportunity to live. They died. At least, Achan still, I mean, Nehemiah, uh, Geazi still have the opportunity to live. Maybe one day, one generation will break that leprosy and the rest will be healed forever. But Achan doesn't have that opportunity. He died with all the sons that knew nothing about what he did. Covertiousness. And uh, the next person we're going to look at is Ahab. Ahab. The story of Ahab is kind of uh, different. So uh, that's in 1st um, King 21 from verse 1 to 3. 1st King 21 from verse 1 to 3. Okay, so um, there's this land... Beside his palace, and it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, had by the palace of Heab, king of Samaria, verse two. And Heab spake unto Naboth, the owner of the vineyard, saying, "Give me that vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near." to my house, which is a reasonable excuse and a reason. And I will give thee and I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it. Okay, I can yeah. Or if it seems good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. Then verse 3. And Naboth said unto Ahab, the Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my father's on thee. So if we look at uh, the life of I mean, Ahab, it's like he asked, rightly, um, the land is beside my house, I want to use it to farm, I, I don't mind to buy it and give you money, or I can give you, he's the king, I mean he was the king, he, I can give you a land anywhere in the land of Egypt, Ahab. <laughs> the land of Israel, sorry, and as big as you want, but he said no. And because he said no, he was, um, Ahab was sad, unhappy. Then his wife, Jezebel, saw him unhappy and said, What is wrong with him? And he said, Oh, he asked for the land and. Um, Naboth said no. Then he said, Don't worry, I will get the land for you. So he wrote a letter and uh, sent it to some of the elders of Israel and said that and kind of lie against Naboth that he had committed an abomination. He has uh, said things that he shouldn't have said, that they should look for two um, witnesses that's going to lie against him so that they can stone him. So they did that. They lied. They got the false witness. They killed the man. And Jezebel went to his husband and said, get up. You have the land. Go and get it. And he too, he got up and he possessed the land. But there's a consequence. There's a consequence. If we look at verse 21, that first king Verse, I mean, 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 21. Behold, I will bring evil upon thee. That is God now talk, um, uh, professing the consequence on Ahab. I will bring upon thee, and I will take away thy posterity. And we cut off from Ahab him that pisseth against the world, and him that is... Shot up and left in Israel. Verse 23. Oh, sorry, 22. 23. 23. And of uh, Jezebel also spake the Lord, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Then let's go to 24. Him that dieth of herb in the city shall the dogs. I mean, in the city, the dogs shall eat. And him that dieth in the field shall the fowl of the air eat. That means anywhere they die, they will never be buried. So, is either if, if the one that died in the city, the dogs, will eat them up. The one that dies in the... Yeah, the birds of the air, we eat them up. And the Bible says that God said he's going to kill all the ones that are pieces On the world we know, the man is killing all of them because of the sin of one person, because of covetousness, because of covetousness, and covetousness comes in different ways. That these are some of the ways that, at least, I because we we don't have the whole time to pick everything in the Bible. There are some that's going to look like innocent gifts. You can have it. Just like the case of Gayazi. There's some that will look like, oh, it belongs to no one. Oh, look at this um, bag of money. I know you will not see bag of money on the floor in Canada. <laughs> but whatever it is, you just find something lying down belongs to no one. Mm-mm. You still don't have the right to take it. It's still covetousness. Or now you now see something that belongs to someone and you are going to take it anyhow, regardless. You just want it. It all has consequences. Not just on the person that is committing it, but also on the entire family of that person. And sometimes it goes to generation. So we have to be careful the things that we possess. So the... Um, the first four examples actually is an example of the, our first definition. And that first definition says to yen, I mean, yen to possess, to have something. So that's what all this is about. And there are other examples. But then we are going to, the second example, uh, there's one I have for that. And that is um, our second definition I mean which is to hold on to something that should have been given out. It is yours. You own it. You worked for it. You spend hours to get it. You went to school to study and you earned the money and you built the house and you did everything. It is yours. But then, there's something that should be given out that you are keeping to yourself, which shouldn't be, even though it is yours. So, we're going to look at the example of um, Ananias and Sapphira. And that is Acts 5, 1 to 11. I believe we all know that story. Because it's a story that kind of opened the eyes of the, the, all the disciples at that time in the early church. So, the, um, we read from verse 1. But a sentient man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, had a possession had a possession it is theirs. but before then they've had people selling their properties their land their houses and bringing it to church to take care of everybody so the the very rich brought as much as they have and they share it with everybody in the church so everybody nobody was poor Nobody was hungry. Nobody was naked. Everybody got um, the basic needs that they deserve. Because some people are selling their properties and taking care of everybody in the church, and God was blessing them. And the apostles appreciated them for it. Remember, the apostles—they were not—they—they they, they didn't have lands because they were always with Christ. And Christ doesn't have a home, like he said; he doesn't have a place to lay his head. So they don't have, not they don't have as much possession. Some of them may have, uh, at least like uh, Peter has a, a house. His father, he has a um, mother-in-law, which lives some anyway. So some of them may have, but not as much as some of those people that gave their life at that time, that have a lot of possession and they were selling it and using it to help the church. So Ananias and Sapphira's kind of See that. And they wanted to. And they feel like, I don't know, maybe the kind of appreciation the apostles were giving to those people that were selling their things, maybe they wanted yeah, they wanted to be noticed or praised. I don't know what their reason is. But anyway, they sold their property. They had a property. So, from verse 2. Acts 5. Okay, And Oh no, let's go back to one. Let's start again. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, had a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and lay it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said Ananias, why had Satan filled the heart? To lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep part of the price of the land for while it remained was it not thy own and after it was sold was it not thy own? why had thou why had thou conceived this thing in thy heart that thou should lie unto oh thou had not lied unto men but thou about unto God. So the possession is this. when they sold it it is this. The money was in their hand; it is still theirs. Even if they had said, "We are going to bring half," maybe they won't die. I don't know. But then they came and pretend like they brought everything, and that is the example that Jesus said of that uh, rich fool that had so much and said, "So relax and enjoy. You have enough to feed you till you die." And Jesus said, "And." The Bible says, Thou food, thy soul will be taken from thee. And he said, and Jesus said, So is what will happen to a person that has so much and they are not rich towards God. And they died. <laughs> they died. So we have to be careful too, the things that we have, even though they are ours, maybe they are the things that God has told you to give to somebody. To just get rid of it, but you want it because you think it is yours. Because I worked so hard for it, I um, spent so much hours, I had to go to school. I, yes, you had to do all that. And God gave you all that ability. Now God is saying, give some away. And yet, you, you, you want to hold on to it. That also we have to be careful. We have to be careful. Not everything that we have is ours. There are some of them that needs to go to God. There are some of them that needs to go to people. There are some of them that needs to go to the poor. God help us. And the consequences of theirs was that they died. But we are alive. And we are alive because there's still hope for us. So if there's anything at all we are not doing right, God will have mercy on us. And God will help us to live right. In the mighty name of Jesus. So still um, talking about the things that um, my need to be given out is also just like the way the Bible talks about offerings and tithes. We own it all. And God has given us the option to pay anything as your offering. Anything. He didn't say bring it all. It's not like uh, Ananias and Sapphira where they have to bring the whole money. No. We are not told to bring the whole money. Just a portion. Just an amount that you can spare. It's your offering. Or there's this uh, a p- person that is in need and God sent that person to you, because God knows that you can afford it, and you send that person away without giving anything to that person. So let's just be sensitive, and God will have mercy on us in Jesus Amen. name. So um, uh, finally, uh, we're going to read um, First Timothy chapter six, from verse six to eight. That's, uh, this scripture tells us how to deal with covetousness. The thing that can help us to deal with covetousness, every single one of us, that will not make us to fall into this sin. And uh, verse 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. So that verse 6 says, godliness with contentment. So we need the two. We need the godliness and we need the contentment. To help us not to fall into that sin of covetousness. Godliness. So that the godliness part is going to help us. It's going to uh, help us to give things up. Just like our heavenly father gave up the son, Abraham who gave up Isaac. Godliness helps us to be like God. It gives us that ability, that grace, to be able to give up things. It wasn't... Um, easy for Abraham to give up the holy begotten son but he did because he knows God and God knows him he has so much moved with God that the part of God has rubbed on him and we have the Holy Spirit we know the Holy Spirit is from God so the fact that we have the Holy Spirit we are godly we are godly, so it's, it's, it's not something that we still have to go and, uh As long as we are born again, and we have truly given our life to Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. We just need to allow the Holy Spirit to deal with us. To deal with us, to live through our spirit. So that way we can become more godly, and find it easier to, to, to let go of things. We shouldn't be uh like when somebody comes up for a tithe and offering, and it's like in some places they have to like uh, I don't know, like push and push and push people so that they can give offering and they can give tithe it shouldn't be if that godliness is so great in us we will easily be able to give things up just like God could he gave up his only begotten son. And he didn't just, he, he died the death that none of us wants to die. Nobody wants to be hanged on the cross. But that is the kind of death that he died. Just for us to be godly. So when we let that godliness take over us, we would be able to give up things and we, don't, we won't be able to, you know, hold on things by committing covetousness. Then, the second part is uh, contentment. So, the contentment part helps us to be satisfied with whatever things that we have. And with contentment, when you see things that belong to other people, you don't want it. With contentment, when you see things that belongs to no one, you don't take it. With contentment, when you see things that is offered unto you. You don't take it. Because you are, you are content. You are okay. So the commandment helps us to be satisfied. And we know that if we need anything. We can look unto our heavenly father. He is the provider. he's the one that provides. Yeah. All the people that he will have. That even whether they believe God or not. It is God that has blessed them to have it. And you can also have it. Mm -hmm. But it starts with contentment. You don't have to want to possess things that is not yours. When you are content, oh, you see somebody, oh yeah, this person studied, he's always getting, it's as simple as somebody getting like A's in all the results. And you want also to get A's. It's not by fighting that person. And it's not by you waking up all through the night or all of a sudden not liking that person because he's always the one getting the whole mark. First, be content with where you are and ask God to help you, take you to where you are supposed to be. So it's not about you doing it just by yourself. We need God. And that's why that scripture says godliness with contentment is great gain it's it's a gain that is greater than all material things all material things if you have it if you have just two change of clothes you are happy you are excited you are joyful that even the people that have uh, a wardrobe full of 100 uh, clothes they don't even have that joy you can only be joyful because first you are content and you are godly. You can ask God for whatever it is that you need. So we have to be careful of that scene of contentment. And we have to also teach our children. Many times, <coughs> children, they don't know. But if you don't teach, they're going to grow up thinking they can always have whatever it is they want. It is covetousness. You can't always have what you want. If you want it, ask God and that's why some children they grow up and they, they are so angry with their parents when they get to a state that the parent cannot afford everything they are asking anymore, it's because of the way you brought that child up Wants want this, take, you want that, take you want. it is covetousness you have to teach the child to be content and know that you don't, have, you don't always get what you want You have to be patient and let God provide. And God will help us in Jesus' name.